back to the podcast episode 59. As always, you're here with Hoof, Saini, and the infamous CZ Huncho. Today's episode is brought to us from G Money and Discord. Uh, he wanted us to rank the top playoff duos in both the East and the West. We're going to start with the East, um, all 10, including the play-in teams. Uh, so we'll go reverse order through our list. That'll be the meat and potatoes of the show. But before we do that, um, March Madness starts today. And I know we're an NBA pod, so we're not going to cover it all that much. But uh, it's fun to make a bracket. Did you guys make one? No, I haven't made a bracket since like high school, man. Uh, ever since like I started university and like all the work on the side, it's kind of hard to keep up with March Madness. I watch the games, but like I'm not watching college basketball throughout the year. So if I'm making a bracket, I'm genuinely just clicking random teams or placing random teams in random spots. Hey, I, no I heard I heard Drake is in the I tournament heard, uh, this year. <laughs> what? There's, there's a college called Drake, and all the other memes are, you know, uh, Aubrey. <laughs> um. I saw I saw something that UNC isn't in the tournament. I and, and they like had the, the same time. roster as last year, I believe. Like I haven't watched much college ball this year That's either, insane. but I know they had uh, Baycott and Caleb Love from last year's Love? championship yeah, game. Yeah, Love. I remember Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's insane. That's sad. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, the product happened, is just getting worse I mean. with uh, OTE and the G League. Like all the best players are not necessarily in college right now. That's true too. I mean. I don't know. I was always, uh, I did, I did, I think the last time I did a bracket was sophomore year high school, um, sophomore year, junior year, uh, back when John Morant was at Murray State and, uh, all the, I just remember all the hype. We were at a Boo Williams sports, sports complex, uh, tournament. And, uh, if y'all have ever been there, it's basically like, it's in Virginia. Allen Iverson like played there. Like it's this big facility, you know concession tvs everywhere and i remember just watching like them just uh reporters on espn just talking about john morant funny as hell that now fast forward four or five years later we're in this situation but i was like oh my god this kid's actually tough like he has an underdog story whatever so yeah i did i, did, I think i did a bracket back then uh, I know I did. I didn't get it right. I did the same exact thing Sandy does, where I'm just well, like, yeah, ah, you know, you didn't this... get it right, bro. It, the odds. Yeah. If you got but... it right, you wouldn't be sitting here. You'd be with sitting bro, with Bill Gates. Obviously, and Jeff the, the odds but, like, are like one in nine quintillion. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's obviously terrible. I just did it for the. I would when I would go through certain teams that I hadn't watched, I would just be like, okay, which team name sounds like they would win, or which team name sounds like an underdog. Ah, this one. That was literally how I did it. Loyola yeah, Chicago, weird. national champions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've uh, I filled out a bracket every year um, since I was probably 10 or 11. Not doing it this year, though, only because obviously you never get it right. I, I haven't gotten it right in the past. I'm not going to lie. I haven't gotten it right yet. Uh, but it always makes me root for a team. And there's, well, yes, there's a, a good outcome. They're all mostly bad because after you mess up the first one, you know, I'm not really rooting for you know, it, it could go only worse from there. So I'm not doing it so I can simply enjoy everything because I think a, a big part of what makes it so fun compared to other professional sports is that you can get a 13 seed that ends up in the top four. And they like the, the 16, what was the, the one team the that knocked off Virginia that one year? Man, the 16 seed, UMBC. That, uh, right? that, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Bro, that, like, bro, that can, that can yeah. happen. So that's yeah. why it's so fun. I'm not doing a bracket too stressful. But, uh, hey, you guys out there, definitely do it. Worth the investment. It doesn't cost a dime, and you could win a billion dollars if you get it perfect. 
So uh, that's if. a solid. If. That's a big ass if. Uh, uh, don't 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 fool them like that. Hey, uh, it's gonna be a bunch of twelve year olds like, oh my god, who said I could win a million dollars? A billion dollars. A Warren Buffett promise. But um, Z, I know your your team Longwood, uh, your school was in the tournament last year. Are they are they in it this year? Against Tennessee. Against Tennessee. No, they are not. Uh, this year, they last year was was great. It was very great. Uh, the entire run was was special. Pack the hall was our slogan. Wait, did you did you uh, win a Willett game last hall, year? We did not win <laughs> said, the first round game said, against Tennessee. What, what but, run? But it was fun. What run? It was, it was a good run. It was a hey, shut up. It was a good run. <laughs> a good because, run through the first because, uh, first quarter. Because, right, the yeah, first quarter. <laughs> listen, no, listen. Good. No, have it was a good it was a good run to have, get into the court and sit down of, and run back home. Have any of y'all's universities ever made it to the uh March Madness tournament? No, Southern no. New Hampshire I, online I just, school I just, has never been in it. That's right. I just, you, I just what? didn't think so. Dalhousie, Dalhousie, just, Dalhousie wins the AUS league like every year, bro. Uh I don't even know what that is. Anyway, the point is is that last year, the reason that I said it was a special run was because it was the first time in our school's history that we made it to the March Madness tournament. Selection night, all of that was absolutely insane. Like if you were on campus and we were a small school. So like to be able like to to be able to experience that is something that we could genuinely say we were the first there or first classes to, you know, witness that. Uh packing the hall is our slogan, which was for Willett Hall. Jerome Kersey, NBA 17 year vet, played at my school. So if you don't have to so for all y'all making jokes out there what? about us, you know, suck it. Jerome You're Kersey. Flaunting Jerome Trailblazers legend. I'm flying a 17-year career Let's right get, there. God rest his soul. Mess, man. I'm not, I'm not about God to talk about Jerome Kersey. Y'all better stop disrespecting that, man. Y'all better stop playing. Like, he ain't got a clear shot to be Portland's, you know, greatest franchise player. I mean, what? Dame, Dame did it with a rookie of the year, oh, he is, and, and he got a ring. So, I mean, damn. I mean, I guess yeah, I guess yeah. Jerome Kersey yeah. might have a Cl- shot, too. Clyde there. Drexler. Clyde Drexler Bill doesn't Walton exist. Bill Walton doesn't exist. They brought y'all a ring. Bill Walton doesn't exist. It's Bill Walton. It's always going to be Bill Walton. Dave, you, Dave is not going to be the greatest until he gets a ring, of all time. It's Bill like, that's Walton. crazy. It's Bill Walton. He gets a ring. It is Dame, though. It is, but, for uh, sure. Why don't, we, why don't we get on to our list? We're doing the top 10 Eastern Conference playoff duos. Hoop, do you mind going over the 10 teams that are currently in, considered to be in the run for the playoffs? Because I feel like yeah. this list is going to change by the end yeah, of the season. Yeah, so as of right now... So, so viewers have a... We're recording Tuesday, March 16th at about noon. So the games today haven't happened yet. Uh, Tuesday, March yeah. 16th? Oh, it's Thursday. Sorry. It said, it said T. It said T. <laughs> now that I'm graduated from college, I don't pay attention to the days. I, I just saw the T on my computer. All right. Uh, it's Thursday, March 16th. Teams in the East. Number one, Milwaukee. Two, Boston. Three, Philly. Four, Cleveland, five, New York, six, Brooklyn, seven, Miami, eight, Atlanta, nine, Toronto, and ten, Washington. That means we're not ranking Chicago with Levine and DeRozan. We're not ranking uh, Indiana with, I guess, Turner and Halliburton. We're not, no Orlando, no Charlotte, no Detroit. Um, every, every time I see Detroit, I just remember saying he's saying they'd be higher than the New York Knicks. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> they got injured. They got injured. They? You mean you mean one player? Cade was not taking them to the fourth seed. He was how not. Did the, how, not did the 20, how did the twenty? How did the twenty? How did the twenty eighteen Cavaliers make the finals? One player. I'm just saying. He's I'm comparing Cade, LeBron, to Cade, Cunningham. 
<laughs> no, obviously I'm joking, but nobody, listen, listen, listen. Not only did I not expect the Pistons to be the bottom seed because Cade got injured and they gave up on the season, I didn't expect the Knicks to be a top four seed, and I don't think well, you did either, fifth. right? I so, said they would finish five games uh, over 500. They're 10, so they exceeded my expectations, yes. I got I got visual proof on that on my TikTok. Whoop de do, whoop de whoop de do. Let's let's get on this list. Well, we're gonna have to rank Randall and Brunson on this list too. So, uh, and not and not Cade, not Cade and Jade and Ivy. <laughs> um, we're gonna do the classic reverse reveal. Who wants to start us off? I feel bad putting myself first. I'll go All right, first. Saini, go. Saini's eating me. Uh, All right. At my ten, at my ten spot, I have the Brooklyn Nets with Bridges and Dinwiddie. I thought this was kind of an obvious one. They're not really a solidified duo yet in terms of when it comes to playoff time. Um, the Nets clearly, like they 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 strive off of team basketball. They're not oriented around two guys and then they do all the dirty work. Um, their success comes from a team effort. Uh, it's hilarious how I'm not saying Bridges and Simmons, even though Simmons makes like the most that money on so that team. Sad. And and we're saying Dinwiddie and Mikhail Bridges. But um, not to say that these two are bad, but just out of the rest of the duos I have, I, I consider them to be the worst. Uh, oh, crap. Sorry. Jerome, Jerome Kersey fan page. Uh, oh, God, bro. I'm going to start it. I'm going to start it for sure. Uh, at my number 10 spot, I actually have Fred Van Vliet and Pascal oh, Siakam. Oh, Lord. Um, actually. No, we're not doing that, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know it could be it could be considered a hot take, but if we're talking about based off of this season, which is where I was more or less going for, because these are these top bottom feeding, you know, six through four spots or seven through four spots, you know, it's it's pretty much a toss up. Uh, I understand Sandy's take on McCall and Spence; they're at my number nine spot. I completely understand that, but I was more or less going off of the fact that we haven't necessarily seen McCall Bridges get playoff minutes, and if Brooklyn is able to stay above the water like they have been with Macau Bridges having these sporadic moments with Spencer Dinwiddie coming back into the system uh, and knowing the system well. And to be honest with you, I don't really know. It could even be Macau and Cam Johnson. You don't really know with this Brooklyn Nets team. You really don't know. Um, but I, that's why I still have them low. But I would say Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam is more or less where I'm going because I thought I used to think Fred Van Vliet was really, really tough in the playoffs because I thought back to that 2019 finals run just because he hit some big shots. But, I mean, over the course of his, like, career, you can look at back at his years in the playoffs. It's not it's not big numbers. It's barely, I think, 10 points a game. So that I'm going to take my chances with that. was, I believe, 10 points. We'll get to it. Um, is that all you Yeah, have to we'll say get on to that? it. But, yeah, that's on. That's it I, I have Mikhail and Spencer. I thought that was, like. I like it. I thought it was clearly the bottom feeder. I thought that so was obvious. So when we get to our yeah. Raptors placement, I'd love to, to hear the discourse on that. But let's get to nine. But. Mr. Saney. At number nine, at number nine, I actually have um, Porzingis and Kuzma. Um, the reason I have there is because the Wizards duo is not as talented as the rest of the conference, in my opinion, when it comes to their top two players. Uh, they don't match up with the rest of the guys on the list in terms of come playoff time, I need a win, or I need, like, you know, two guys that I can count on. Um, I don't think I could, like, I mean, this season they could prove me wrong, but I mean, headed into the season, I think um their placement in the eastern conference is more than enough proof on why i have them last i think they're 10th and they're barely 10th they they might get knocked out of this list by the time the season's over and the bulls might take their spot um so that's why i have them at ninth i mean they definitely there's definitely some talent there i mean kuzma's tough now porzingis is tough now but uh in terms of like duo ship like 
duos go heading into playoff time, I got to put them at nine. Obviously, my number nine was uh, McCallum Spence. Bro, I already went over where that. You got the Wizards. Uh, Don't say it, but um, I mean they're not that yeah. far off. Don't don't worry about it. Uh, Go ahead. I I had I actually used Brad Beal and Porzingis. Um, I think Beal's experience will lead to him getting more shots. I mean, it's not going to matter because I think they're getting bounced anyway. Yeah. But if they okay. were to play a seven-game okay. series, I think Beal would be like 26, 27 a game as opposed to splitting the work with Kuzma evenly because Brad Beal is a certified scorer uh, who could do it at all three yep. levels, proven. I think it would most likely be him and Porzingis. But that's, you know. I do agree with you. I do agree with you completely. The only reason I said Kuzma is because Brad Beal's touches in the regular season yeah, went down, and yeah. I thought we were assuming like the two best players heading into the playoffs. But I mean, either way, the yeah. Wizards I mean, not, with me on this me list, like a lot of times, it's based on this season. But I use information from past years. Obviously, experience matters. So I'm assuming when we get to the playoffs, yep. what is going to happen? A lot of that means stuff from this year. But yep. yeah, I agree. I agree. Either way, Wizards yeah. at nine. We, we can agree on that. Let's not spend too much time on GC. <laughs> hey, shout out Wizards fans, but like Brad Beal being the, like the top five highest paid player in the league is crazy. It is. I still it is absolutely still bar bewildered right. by that. Fact. Um, this 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 is where some controversy might start between us. I know me and Hoop have had the same list. I'm not sure if he agrees with me on this one. But at number eight, I have Randall. No, imagine. <laughs> I was I was trying to keep calm because I knew you were going that route. I, at number eight, uh, at number eight, I have uh, Trey Young and Dejounte Murray. Um, I think those two, their the their inconsistency is my biggest reason why. And I did look into how Trey Young performed last year in the playoffs, especially as well in that Heat series. Oh my God, I have never seen a superstar. I'm doing the finger quotations disappear like that in a playoff series. Murray has not been as good as people thought he would be for the Hawks. He is not playing at that all-star level, all-star-esque level that he played in San Antonio. Um, poor shooting numbers and inability to consistently win games. Uh, I got to put them at eighth. Also, Trey Young's like inability to work with a coach. Uh, oh God! I, know, I I I think Hoop was the one who brought this up to me, where like people are gonna start realizing that. Yeah, Trey well, Young is uncoachable. We, so I don't want to, you know try to speak that into a narrative because i asked someone in our discord first off if you're not in the discord bro we got like 150 members in there right now it's popping um so if you guys listen to the show like regularly it's like a perfect spot to be because there's other people who not only listen to the show but just love basketball in general we don't talk about our podcast that much it's more look so up, just an nba group look chat. up look up the podcast on any of our social medias, it's in our bio, in our link tree. In case yeah, you're but we'd love to have you. But basically, we were we were there was a Hawks fan in there, and I asked him like, "Is the narrative around Trey Young being a cancer valid?" And he was like, "No, it's not." So I don't know if that's him being a Hawks fan, but uh, or if it's just the media blowing things out of proportion. But I know they're hovering for a reason. Um, so obviously, they're talented enough to be in a playing spot. But you know, we have to see how things play out in the future. Yeah, I feel that. Um, so for me in my number eight spot is actually the Washington Wizards. Uh, and it's basically for the same reasons that one of you just listed about Bradley Beal's experience level, because I also have Bradley Beal and Kristaps Porzingis as my duo going in. I thought about Kuz, but then I was like, uh, I mean, Porzingis has been in the playoffs with this team a couple of times. I can at least say, yeah, you got end this season. He's averaging like 23 a game, something like that. So Beal, uh, last time he was in the playoffs, this is that 2021 season, if I'm not mistaken, averaged 30 a game. I know he was hurt, I'm pretty sure, uh, like around playoff time or 
walking into playoff time. So it was incredible that he even got that much. But uh, I just think that Bill's scoring ability, even though it's not going to amount to anything, it might amount to at least one play-in game, and that's it. Uh, who knows? But I just think that if I'm if I'm banking on a guy on the Wizards to give me 30 for a one pivotal game, it's Bradley Bill. Give me 30, give me 40, he's going to get it. Porzingis, I can only hope, would chip in the way that he's been chipping in because he's had a pretty solid season so far. Uh, but yeah, I would say the, the Wizards for me are, are, are at eight. I don't know about you, who bro, Brad Beal is going to give you documentary numbers, he's going to oh. give you 30 <laughs> points for 30, bro. He's going to give you 30 for 30. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, at my number eight, I have Trey and DeJounte. I also have to clarify because, like, I we obviously said it's it's playoff duos, but like, we're taking two players and not the rest of the team. So, when you're thinking about all this. I'm just talking to the viewers in particular who might be thinking of their duos. Like, imagine the rest of the team is not there. Like, what do you guys, these two guys provide value-wise? For example, if we were in the West, the Mavericks being a play-in team has no indication on Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic not being a top-three duo. Like, it's, it's strictly about the duos. Um, so I have Trey and DeJounte at eight. Uh, Trey's been inconsistent. I know at his best, he's a very good playoff performer when it matters. But it hasn't. He hasn't shown up all the time, and Dejounte Murray has not panned out the way people have wanted it to be. Trey Young is a huge defensive liability, the biggest in the league. Um, yep. So until and he hasn't he hasn't shown up since yeah. twenty twenty one. He had one good year because like That's he has that ridiculous really playmaking and shot making ability, but he needs to have that for him to move up because he need, like the whole reason Trey Young is in the league is to do that stuff because he's not playing any defense. He's a liability. They need to build around him. That's the reason they got Dejounte. So if he unless he does his job, like they're they're not going to be a good playoff team. It's looking like me and Hoops list are going to be identical, identical. because <laughs> I, I I don't like the the way your criteria yeah. is. I, don't know, <laughs> we'll see. I hope we have some differences because I'm tr- I'm trying to I'm trying to. Argue, but yeah. I already got some bones to I already got some bones to pick with hey, you with yeah. not being ten. But uh, I can't wait. At number seven, at number seven, I have the Raptors. I have Van Vliet and Siakam. Uh. Again, consistently, consistency plays a factor. I think both of those guys have the talent to make a deep playoff run. The Raptors have, time and time again, at least made it to the second round. Like they, they are like, a, they do have great playoff experience. They do. Hey, know don't what think needs about the. They do you're talking about experience. And they're also or champions. I was saying, don't use the the. Playoff. No, I'm just saying, like, you're saying they get to the second round. I'm just saying, like saying the Raptors get to the second round. Yeah, 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 right. But they like, like, if we're speaking in terms of duos, like again, like Van Vliet is a player that is known to at least turn the knob sure, a little when sure. it comes to playoff time. Siakam, I do like, right. So that's why I'm gonna put them at seven. Um, if if Trey and Murray were consistent, more consistent this season in terms of just their shooting numbers, I would have them over. Um, they're very close in terms of if you put the Hawks or the Raptors in a series, like those two duos, it could go either way. But I'm gonna have to put Van Vliet and Siakam over them. Siakam is also an All Star this season. He's been playing great. People have really been undervaluing Siakam as a player this season. Uh, Van Vliet has been very inconsistent, but Siakam puts them in that seventh spot for me. So for my seventh spot, um, it's the Atlanta Hawks, bro. What do you mean? <laughs> um, and here's the thing: my seven and eight, I they're interchangeable based off of the facts that they have already provided about Trey Young, and when you look at the inconsistencies and the fact that DeJounte Murray is literally, who said it best, DeJounte Murray, I feel like, is the type of player that we looked at when he got traded to Atlanta, and we said, oh my God, the whole identity of the squad is going to change, especially for Trey, right? Maybe some load will be taken off of him, 
But in the meantime, what we've gotten is a bunch of inconsistencies from Trey Young. But at the same time, Trey Young has already been proven. He's been in the playoffs twice, and he's proven a couple of things. A, he can be a liability, a.k.a. last year in the playoffs against Miami Heat, getting, I mean, he shot, I think, 11 or 12% from first, something like that. And then the year prior against a team like the New York Knicks, where you have not only a hostile crowd that you have to deal with, but you are not only dealing with that, cooking the New York Knicks in the process, and then you got your team miraculously to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, albeit Ben Simmons is Ben Simmons, but whatever, you, you got him there. Um, so for me, I think Trey is one of those players where he can be a liability defensive-wise. He can be a liability with his inconsistencies. But I've seen his inconsistencies not be inconsistencies in the playoffs once out of his two trips. So I can genuinely say, you know what? Maybe what, we can wait, give him another what? year or so. That's right? the definition like, of inconsistency. He's had two, he's had two said, seasons. Said, the sample size isn't the same thing. The, sam- the sample size is, Trey, is the thing. Trey Young two did years. not shoot great in his Eastern Conference Finals playoff run. Yes, but when you look back at that team that he had and the help that, he's, that he has right now in DeJounte Murray, the reason DeJounte Murray is there was based off of that. You think this the little team amount is of offensive help that, that he had, team? I don't think that this team is better than the other team as in terms of like building around Trey, like with Clint Capella and John Co- and and uh, God, what's his name? Uh, John Collins, the flyer, high flyer, John Collins. Um, I think that for Trey Young, though, when you look back at that 2021 team and you look at who you were asking to answer the call and to score the basketball, it was Trey Young. Anything that they had to do, it was Trey Young pick and roll with Clint Capella was like a second option throwing lobs yeah, to John I, Collins, I the third option. Mean. This year. This year, however, when they're, if they're going into the playoffs, that's a big if. But, I mean, hey, you have another score in a DeJounte Murray who can get it done, or, or get it, at least create his own shot, who doesn't need Trey Young to be there to help him create a shot. That's all I'm saying. But, like I did say, 7-8 and eight is interchangeable. It's still interchangeable. Uh, because I, I you that's know, a cop out. Seven, 7 through 10, 7 through 10 doesn't mean a damn thing compared to this the top five list. Hey, all I, all that's all I, I got to say. know is that, you said Trey Young's inconsistencies weren't inconsistent for a year out of his two years. That was the craziest argument I've heard. Uh, <laughs> uh, you're a Knicks fan, so of course it's crazy to you. You're still butthurt from that series, oh, but that's you fine. You said he was it's totally fine. Julius Randle made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. You're sitting here fucking singing his praises. I did not bring up the the Knicks one time. You didn't. I did for you. I know you wanted to, but I did for I'm you. Just saying, anyway, you described forward. inconsistencies perfectly by saying that he wasn't inconsistent in the time that he played well during his inconsistencies. Uh, I don't like being on the hot seat at the seventh <laughs> ranked team right now. <laughs> but let's keep moving. I don't give a damn about Atlanta. Oh my god. Uh, at number seven, I have Van Vliet and Siakam. Me and Sani are looking identical right now for some reason. Um, but yeah, Van Vliet has been inefficient, but he's always been inefficient. And I think from a field standpoint that's not that big of a deal uh but if he's hitting threes which i expect him to i know he's had a down year and raptors fans really don't like him or at least they didn't to start the season um i do think come playoff time that him being your playmaker is more valuable than having like og for example like i know maybe some raptors fans or some other fans are thinking you know it should be og and siakam um i still think come playoff time their best chance to move and they're two most valuable assets in the playoffs are still Van Vliet and Siakam. OG isn't a player you play through. He's That's a what player I'm you saying. have on a so like I, I, He might be like the better fit player and the better player right now, but uh, their most valuable piece is still uh, Siakam and Van Vliet. Also, I mean, Siakam's defensive presence is what I think should absolutely keep him away from that 10 spot. Um, 
I I just don't see him under the, the Nets. I don't. But uh, we could talk about that later. I mean, we, we do want to discuss like the, the top five teams. So, I mean, we could talk about oh, Mikhail and Spencer, <laughs> whatever. But it's a, you just I, pray. I, that, I thought that was that. I'm praying that hoops. I pray that hoops list it starts to get different here because if he's the same here, then it's going to be very hard to start. Anyway, um, at number six, I have Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. Now, a big reason I have them at number six is because now when we head into the top five, we have a lot of like two-way bigger guys that you can put more of a load on pause if you were to That's if a... you were to come like yeah, you guys know what I mean, man. No, Golly. I don't. No, Golly. I don't. <laughs> yes, you do. No, I'm yes, sorry. I'm Listen, not let me familiar continue. with that. I, I am not familiar with that. Let me continue. 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 Obviously, Donovan and Darius Garland, they're both very See, he's talking guys. faster because he's embarrassed. Star level guards. <laughs> Both all-star level <laughs> guards, okay? But at the end of the day, they're both undersized. They're both liabilities when it comes to defense compared to the top five duos that I'm about to mention. Um, defense plays a huge factor because the other guys on this list are are just as gifted offensively, but they have that other end of the court taken care of. So, And a lot of the Cavs' success, obviously, it runs through Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, but that team is built like very well, right? Like They have a lot of... Um, post presence uh their front court is great and then obviously donovan mitchell and garland th those guys are both heat checks they could just shoot the lights out on any given night but because they're both undersized guards like donovan mitchell's a shooting guard at six two right i gotta put them at number six the first time me and saini have agreed on something all show bro oh my god i also have the cleveland cavaliers at six uh and it's more so because of donovan mitchell obviously because darius garland hasn't made it to the playoffs yet uh, and if you look, like Sandy said, when you look at the construction and the makeup of the team around them, even though we're not supposed to, if if those two play well, like play like how they're supposed to, everything is going to click for them. Like that's the missing piece. You have like you know, I know we can't really talk about it, but they have Evan Mobley's and Jared Allen's for a reason, right? Like they have like defenders on their team to do the things that Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell are criticized for, which is mainly defense. They can score their asses off. So looking at Donovan Mitchell, I mean, he's a 28-per-game scorer uh, for his career in, in the playoffs. Like, bro's proven to be him. Bro's proven to uh, – him. And, once again, him and Jamal Murray, 50, 50 back and forth was insane. Uh, so Donovan Mitchell has proven in the playoffs that he at least can score buckets. He may have come up on the losing end of the stick, pause, but at the same time, I mean, come on. Like, it's, it's D. Mitch. Like, if they – the way that those two, like, work off each other, too, is another great thing. Like, for nights where you expect Donovan Mitchell to go off, and if he's a little shaky, he can rely on Darius Garland. Like, if D. Mitch has 17, Garland can give you 31, 32. Vice versa. That's what I like about this duo, is that if they're both hitting, they're dangerous. But if one's hitting and the other one isn't, they got to figure out how to, you know, maybe Darius Garland plays plays point guard a little bit more, distributes, something like that. They, they have a lot of weapons. So I'm going to go definitely D. Mitch and Garland for six. Ah. Uh... I'm happy. Here we go. I'm happy with you guys, but I think, I think you're like maybe a two, two unrealistic. I have I have my Knicks with Randall and Brunson at six. Um, I think when Saney said that there's a a bigger guy who you can I'm not gonna say that, but you could put more on his plate. I think. Uh, oh oh. 
kidding. You said they bring value on the other side of the ball. Randall's a good he he doesn't he's not a liability as a team defender, but he's not a Siakam. He's not an Embiid. I, I, and Brunson's a defensive liability as well. The the Knicks the team runs through the offense wise through Randall and Brunson. Without them, they would create zero offense. I told you already that RJ Barrett doesn't create his own shots that much. Um, he can get to the basket a little bit, but you're not going to create any offense without them. And their offense has been good this year because of Randall and Brunson. But when it gets to playoff time and it's less transition, um, it's their offense is very scrappy. They're not a good shooting team. Um, they can create a little bit, but it's a lot of offensive rebounds, def- good defensive possessions. And I don't, it's uh, Brunson, like we said, ISO. Uh, like they're good closers. Like Brunson, I have no issue saying that he can close a fourth quarter with the best of them. But comparing him to to Donovan Mitchell, I can't. Um, I think Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell both are nice three-level scorers, which is really valuable for the playoffs. Um, I'm not going to say that Randall's going to flop like he did two years ago because I put up a whole argument on the Players' Choice show when I went in undercover that he was going to be better this year. And I do think he's going to be a lot better. and I just don't think that he's going to provide much value that Garland and Mitchell can't. They're both, I think all four of them are offensive players. Randall's a bit more dynamic in that he's a big, and I think he plays really well off of Brunson. But to, I, with, when Donovan Mitchell is in that group of four, like he, he could go for 65 in a playoff game. Like I would not be surprised. And there, that's, that kind of talent is not found like almost anywhere else. So I think his neck sticks, you know, head and shoulders above Brunson. And while I love the Knicks with my my dear heart, the reason they would win a playoff series is because the offense is good enough and the defense is crazy. Like if you watch the Knicks, their defense is nuts. Quickly, Grimes, uh, Barrett when he wants to, like they, uh, Mitchell Robinson, very very good defenders. Um, the team defense has been crazy with Josh Hart being added. They'd win a very scrappy series when I think Cleveland with that duo can just shoot the lights out. So as a playoff duo, looking at just the two players, what they give you offensively, because that's all they're really giving you. I'm going with the Cavs and I put the Knicks at six. Okay. Well, I put the Knicks at five. Wait, can, um, uh, I you, think you're going to explain anyway. I wanted to hear what you wanted to say about the, the two way play, but go ahead. Okay. Well, the main reason I put the Knicks at five is because, like, hearing you talk, I do understand that Donovan Mitchell is a very... And especially in the playoffs, he will turn up. Um, I'm also judging Donovan Mitchell on the fact that I've seen him time and time again get bounced out the first round, no matter how well he plays in the regular season. Um, and obviously, we've seen Julius Randle flop a little in 2021. But a big reason I put them at five is because of Jalen Brunson. I mean, obviously, I love Julius Randle, and I think Julius Randle works very well off of Jalen Brunson. But I think a factor that we're not really, or you didn't really discuss, is not only Jalen Brunson's ability to close out a game, uh, but his playmaking ability as well. The Knicks are a completely different team when Jalen Brunson is on the court compared to when he's off. The Knicks' offense is Jalen Brunson. Without Jalen Brunson, that offense is a mess. Um, Both Brunson and Randle took huge leaps this season. Randle is looking more polished than ever. He, he looks to have more confidence in his jumper, especially from deep. Uh, my issue with Donovan and Darius Garland is that we can see Darius Garland disappear at times. Donovan Mitchell in a playoff series, he can go for a lot, but it's to me, it's more like, is that contributing to winning, right? 
because we've seen it time and time again where the offense flows through Donovan Mitchell and it doesn't work. Um, I trust Jalen Brunson more in a playoff series than I would Darius Garland. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell is the best player out of the four, but when we're looking, when we're looking at a pair of two guys compared to another pair of two guys, I got to go with the Knicks and I got to take Randall and Brunson. Uh, I agree. I have at my five spot Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, and I'm actually shocked as hell right now because hoopology, how dare you? You criticized me a couple of episodes ago for, oh my God, ZZ Huncho left the Knicks and he went to the Warriors and how do you feel and all that. I have more faith in your team in the playoffs than you do at C. I mean, damn. Uh, I, I just said how they'd win. I think we beat I, the Cavs. I, I, so, okay, I was about to ask y'all, you. I was y'all just, are you sleeping gotta remember, on Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell. I'm not no, no, sleeping no, 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 on no, no, that, man. I get we're ranking duos. I'm not I'm not judging you. I don't, I'm didn't say you didn't believe in the Knicks. I know we're judging duo by duo. But there's two players to take into account when it comes to there the are. duo, not just the one. Donovan Mitchell is the best. Donovan Mitchell is the best out of the four. But as a partnership, I would rather take Randall and Brunson. Because if there's a night where Donovan Mitchell disappears, can I really trust Garland to carry That's that load? That's literally taking the words can out of my mouth. I, I hate to do this because he's my favorite player. Can you, but can you trust Julius Randall to carry the load when Brunson? Nah, yes. dog. Yes, He's, if if Brunson's I... in the game, no, 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 it's not. It's a difference. It's a difference if Brunson is out or if Brunson yeah. is in the game. Because if Brunson's in the game and he's not hitting shots, but he still brings that playmaking ability to Julius Randle, right. that's a different story. I agree with but you. But if we're there. talking John Jalen Brunson, if Jalen Brunson isn't on the court, well, then yes, Randall doesn't have a true point guard beside him to help playmake and to help get him open. So that's a different story. We're talking about both the players on the court at the same time. Let's say Donovan Mitchell goes mm-hmm. cold. What is Gar- Garland still a great playmaker? He is. He's he still is. great. He's still great. But this is he's his first great. playoffs. He's this is his great. first playoffs. But no, no, no. It's not about the playoffs. I'm just talking about player like duo for against duo. He's still great. But would you rather trust? Like you, you got to think of it as a partnership, man. Like if if Brunson starts to go cold and he hands the ball to Randall, I can trust Randall to start hitting shots. But when Donovan I, goes cold, uh, or Garland are you goes believing cold, this? It's like it's like listen, man. I I think I would take them. Yeah, I think I think Randall and Brunson work better together than. Donovan Mitchell and Gary I think Gary they Scott. work I extremely well. I just the, the I think three, that they work the, better together by default, low key. Because if you think about it, with Julius Randle and what do you mean, do you mean by default? I, oh, I just let see, me let me spit. Bro, me Donovan spit, Mitchell is on the other side. I understand that hoop. I get that. We got that. Donovan Mitchell's great. He can score his ass off. We saw seventy points. We saw that. We it's great. It's awesome. My thing is when you look at the partnership because there is a partnership and a duo. You do your part. I do my part. Jalen Brunson was the answer to the New York Knicks problem last season, which was we have to run the ball through Julius Randle. That sucks. That's a stupid way to play basketball. That's closing games. Yeah, closing right. Games. And then they, and then you and then you got to think about oh we've ran the ball through Julius Randle so many times. Then when in the fourth quarter, I guess if it ain't Julius, who we got? Up oh, RJ. Let's take our chances with RJ Barrett. Now you bring in Julius Brunson, a proven a- closer. <laughs> Esque, you know what I'm saying? Last year in the playoffs Brunson. was average. Oh my bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. You bring in um uh uh Jalen Brunson, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild. That's so wild. Oh, you bring in Jalen Brunson, and what's his job to do now? Well, he's there to orchestrate the offense, to set the tempo, to slow the pace down. All of these things that he did in Dallas without Luka Doncic last year. He averaged 22 in the playoffs last year, 22 five and four. Like for someone his size, that's pretty damn good. Uh, and to the point where he ended up getting a max contract from the Knicks. The Knicks wanted him. They needed him for a reason. Now you look at the partnership aspect of this with Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle. Well, that's a big little combo right there. That's going to work by default the majority of the time, depending on how skilled both men are. In, Julie, in, in Jalen Brunson's case, he can facilitate his ass off. He can 
come off the screen, pop a mid range. He can go in there, drop can, in, can use Garland his pivot foot, not. all these things. Garland and I'm talking about Garland and 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 D Mitch, right? When you look at them and their pairing, what what are they supposed to do? What are you relying on? They both can't play defense as is. You're relying on the Just offense, like right? The like I just said, right? But you were Jalen Brunson can do more on the offensive end besides scoring, right? Donovan Mitchell and Darius well, uh, Garland, Gar- it's a toss up as you to know who how, wants to bro, run point dog, guard some Gar- nights. That's a, that's a good thing. They're both great is playmakers. It, uh, Okay. Okay. So let me. Let I can't me, believe I'm arguing I still Cleveland, but like I thought. Y'all I can't believe have... that I'm arguing for New York. This is crazy <laughs> right now. Um, I feel like Stephen. Yeah, a. neither Smith. can I. Honestly, I, I've, I'm, I'm like, listen. I don't think it's a they're off by like right. a mile whatsoever. I'm not arguing that there is a big difference here, but I'm saying if I were to choose a duo come playoff time, I've seen Donovan Mitchell in the playoffs. Obviously, he's a heater. He can go off at certain points, but can he win? I can trust Jalen Brunson to close a game and win for me. Right, I've seen Donovan Mitchell fold at certain moments to where games were not closed out, and the Jazz have had multiple times where they've had a lead in a series and they could not do the, finish the job. They've had three wins in a series and they could not finish the job. Jalen Brunson, although he's never been a first option, what I'm seeing in the regular season is something that I believe will translate into the playoffs. And then this is going to be the first time ever that we see Randall with a true point guard beside him heading into a playoff series, which is why as a duo, I have to go with the Knicks as a duo because I got to trust both guys. I don't got to just trust one guy. I have to trust both. All right. Let's, uh, I agree. let's move on. Every, everything you're saying, like I, I love to believe. I just got to see it. We believe. We, we believe we, and you got to remember like this is this is this is looking at this yeah, regular season yeah. and right, I, right. I love Jalen Brunson what, what two guys what two guys do I believe in more yeah. and I believe that Jalen Brunson will bring the best out of Randall and I believe that those two will work a lot better in the playoffs prayers up prayers up <laughs> uh, whose turn Oops, is that I don't even know what, what if Julius goes on a tear I'm going to go I'm going to go on a crazy we're on five we're on five we're on five we're on five um Hoop, did you say your uh, sixth spot? I think you did. He said the Knicks. Like, he said it was going to be So, who's your fifth spot? Was it Cleveland? So, we're on the fifth now, right? For who? Um, no, we were on the fifth. Yeah, that was the fifth. Cleveland. The Knicks were the fifth. So, that means... so Top four. Cleveland was your fifth. Oh, we're in the top right, four bet. now. So we are let's, in the go, top let's go. Let's go, baby. Okay, okay. Who we got, um, Sadie? At four, I have, I have Jimmy and Bam and the Miami Heat um, to Jimmy Butler... Freaking love that guy in the playoffs. One of the best two-way players in the league. Bam Adebayo, obviously so underrated defensively and underrated offensively, to be honest. Both of those guys, great players. I don't think there's much explanation needed here because the top three are kind of obvious. But obviously, these guys deserve to be number four. They're better than any of the duos outside of the top three teams in the East. Um, Their main issue and why they're not winning right now is their team. It has nothing to do with them. But those guys as players, not not much reasoning needs to be said. It's self-explanatory. Jimmy Butler, playoff demon. Bam Adebayo, we've seen what he can do when the when the time comes. So I got to put them at four. At four for me, almost, almost. Why are you smiling? Was Jimmy and Bam. But then I got to thinking, and I said to myself, well, good Lord. If I had to pick <laughs> between is, oh, two duos, oh and I God. said to myself, <laughs> if I got Jimmy and Bam, or right, who? Jimmy and Bam, or Joel and James Harden. Oh my! Oh no! The boys are the boy. Yeah, what? Yeah. Hold what? on, hold on. Let me just 
let me just say, let me just say, I know y'all are about to lose your mind saying he's pissing his pants as we speak, but listen, just listen, all right? Sadie just said it. When I think about an underrated duo that's been doing it for more than a season, right? We've only seen Joel, for, let me just preface to say, we've only seen Joel and James Harden one time. And in that last game, James Harden scored nine points or sh- scored nine points on, on, on less than 10 shots. Um, on a bad hammy. Now, he went, now <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let, me, let me say, let me say, on a bad hammy, Joel and B was banged up in that series too, but what's new? about Joel Embiid being banged up in the playoffs, right? If all goes well in a perfect world, all goes well in a perfect world, and I really and I, and I want you to know I sincerely mean this, if all goes right and I mean no injuries to either of them, I got you. I got you with Joel and James at three, right? But for me, when I look at Jimmy and Bam, Jimmy averages 20 points per game in the playoffs, but it's the loudest 20 you'll ever see in your life. It's the loudest 20 because everybody knows that Jimmy Butler – basically get shit done it's that simple whatever you need from jimmy you need a serious extended you need some life left in the chamber jimmy butler's got you bam out of bio defensive juggernaut in the playoffs offensively underrated 56 percent shooting on like that's insane that's insane stop playing with him stop playing with his efficiency because kevin durant kevin durant shooting the same efficiency bam 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 does defer he does he does and i ain't saying kevin durant shooting the ball wise but i'm saying for a big man to be shooting that well and to hold down the paint when you need him to how many times has he blocked Jason Tatum in the past three years at the rim? Like, damn, just give him some credit, all right? So, I got Joel and Harden at the four spot right now. Destined to change, hopefully, if all goes well. No injuries at all to either of them. I want to see them both healthy. Another reason that I did have them low is because of Doc Rivers, but that's either here nor there. Um, that's by default, you know, it's Doc. Right? You, you never know what to expect with Doc. Doc's literally the most un- overrated coach probably since 2008. And that was the last year he won a championship, so there you go. But I got Joel and Harden at four. Yeah. Not by that much. Not not a bit, not that big of a difference. But I hope y'all saw my reasoning a little bit better as I explained. Y'all can still be shaken up. I understand. <laughs> nah. But hey. Nah. Hey. Give me Jimmy and I'm, Bam. You say you're if a hoop. I know what your four is. Just hold up. If if Bam were to come out as this aggressive guy, which seems to only happen when Hero's not shooting well, like Bam defers to everyone. It feels like in the playoffs. Um, if he were to be ultimately aggressive and seen, and we saw the best of Jimmy and Bam, they could put up a real good fight with Embiid and Harden when fully healthy, I guess. Um, but I have them at four for now, just because it's hard to, even with Harden's playoff woes, like he's still a very valuable playmaker and Joel Embiid is I understand. Embiid, so I got Jimmy and Bam. You gotta move on. Same, same. So we're into the top three. Um, I'm going to go with my number three. And this is where me and Z disagree because I don't think it's close at all. Because at number three, I have Tatum and Brown. Um, Tatum, a big reason why, obviously, these two are superstar level players. But we've seen Tatum disappear a lot, especially in that finals run last year. Jalen Brown does a phenomenal job of holding down the fort when Jason Tatum disappears. Jason Tatum broke the record for most turnovers in a playoff run in NBA history by one player uh, last year. Jalen Brown, obviously, I'm not saying he was... Uh, Jalen Brown was amazing. Jason Tatum was amazing. Don't th- don't say I'm taking that away from Jason Tatum, but I'm just saying when it comes to the two big dogs in terms of duos, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, don't go in that conversation with me. They're right outside of it. A big reason is their inconsistency. The Celtics find a lot of their success, of course, through those two guys, but people also have to remember... It's a team-oriented game, and when it comes to the Celtics team, they're 
they're built beautifully. The Celtics have a great team around them. Tatum can have Tatum can shoot six for 18 and they can still win by 20 points, which is why I have to have them at number three when we're talking duos. Uh, I already said my, my three is my three is Jimmy and Bam Bam Shrimp, but uh, Hoop, you can go ahead and rumble. Uh, I really want to get into the Celtics talk because I'm I Sadie just said some interesting points right there. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, um, my uh, my three is Embiid and Harden, and we're gonna get into a little Celtics Sixers thing. We're already at you know our usual time. I don't know how you Sadie feel about going on. Um, it's fine. It's fine. Our our discussion's only gonna be the top three. Anyway, yeah. So I think when you're compare, I I think because you everyone knows my thoughts on Jason Tatum, I think it's more so Jalen Brown praise that I have the Celtics over the the Sixers. I think comparing player to player through the four of them, I think Harden's not gonna be out there by himself where Embiid is struggling. He's not going to take over a game like Jalen Brown can. We know Jason Tatum can when he's hot. He's done it against the Milwaukee game six which was still incredibly impressive. Uh, and Bede can. I don't know if Harden can anymore. Um, or if he really ever has to, you know, his regular season self in the playoffs. I'm not trying to pin his playoff woes on him now because obviously I've said in the past during me and Z's argument episode about if Harden was a playoff joker was that this is really the first time we're going to see Harden healthy with his second option, like he's supposed to play with. We said in, in Brooklyn, when he was healthy against the Celtics, he murdered the Celtics with uh, Kevin Durant. So, uh, you know, I I think if you guys have any other points, I mean, I, it's just Jalen Brown, I think, is more, it's more praise than Jalen Brown. And I think, I mean, I've, I've slandered Tatum should. a lot, but I when, come playoff yeah. time, he's like my sixth or seventh best player in the world right now. I expect him to play like it. So that's why I have him high. We should kind of a little like rush through our top two a little so we could have time for discussion. Um, but at number two, I have Embiid and Harden. Um, Embiid, talent-wise, other than Giannis, might be the best player in the world right now. Embiid is on an absolute tear. He's doing things that I did not imagine him to be doing. He was already playing at a level I couldn't imagine him to be playing at. And the fact that he stepped it up another level and Harden became the best playmaker in the world this season. That man is the perfect sidekick to Joel Embiid and I don't care what you have to say about free throws and free throw merchants because at the end of the day that puts points on the board I might not like the play style you might not like the play style but when it comes to winning basketball it helps so you can't complain and they know how to do it if you guys want to complain about free throws and why they get all the calls why aren't other players doing it clearly they're doing something right they're maneuvering the rule book whatever you want to say but it still contributes to winning basketball and Embiid and Harden are the second best duo in the NBA or in the Eastern Conference for me? I was about to say uh, I wasn't going to bring up the whistle in terms of it being unfair. I thought it like kind of softens up in the the playoffs or hardens up rather, which is why I wasn't you know crazy about having them over Tatum and Brown anyway. I feel like they're not going to get as many calls as they would. Oh no, they won't. They, we'll they won't. We'll it see. might be like I mean, one we can't, game. We can't, but... we can't make we can't make that assumption. Like right, you can't assume what because refs have been different this season. So we can't assume yeah. how refs are going to be in the playoffs. Uh, but in terms of this season, remember, we're ranking this season. That's a, that's a, I think that's, I know, I obviously I've taken like experiences, what they've done in the past, 
into account, but I'm talking about how I've seen them from this season. And yeah. if I believe that they'll translate it into the playoffs, 100%, I believe Harden will, Harden will 100% translate. I think I, I love how people call Harden a playoff choker, but the only reason he gets out the playoffs is when he faces quite possibly the greatest team in existence in the Warriors. That's like, or, or if it was like the Lakers kicking him out, like it's always the team that wins the ring that kicks him out. And it's like, one of, and it's literally just him on the Rockets. With if y'all want to like, hear this he whole episode of right? us talking about this, me and Z had a heated discussion. Probably <laughs> there's a playoff. 40. Yeah, there's a Harden playoff choker. It's literally yeah, called sir. Harden. It's Harden a playoff choker. But I'm just saying Harden is great in the playoffs. I hate I hate that idea that he isn't. And the fact that you and gave man. him the fact that no, I, I listen, argued uh, for don't it. Give that that's still... Don't give me that meh. Don't give me that meh because Harden was playing alone. Harden was playing alone exactly. and he still made it sure. that deep in the playoff sure. runs. He has Embiid now. He has Embiid now in that Sixers team. You got Tyrese Maxey, Tobias Harris, all these all these shooters that you can throw the ball to with Harden's playmaking skills. Are you kidding me? Bro, Harden and Embiid at number two. Harden and Embiid at number two. If they don't see each other in the second round, the Eastern Conference Finals is going to be the Sixers and the Bucks. Deep. Now, for my number two, I, I have Tatum and Brown, um, and that's mainly because I've seen these two since they were Jets in the league in the playoffs, uh, and I've seen them. So basically, when I look at this team, with, or not this team, these two as a duo alone, the amount of experience that these guys have had in the Eastern Conference is more than a lot other a lot of other duos can say, including James Harden and Joel Embiid pretty much by default, but... These, this team has been to the Eastern Conference Finals. With Le, uh, they went to seven games with LeBron James at the ages of 18 and, and 19 and 20. Like, bro, like uh, they were jits when they went up against Thanos James, Lathanos. And then they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals since. They've been to the Finals since. They've been bounced out to semifinals. They've been they then swept the Nets, swept KD, had him, held him to the lowest uh, 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 field goal percentage that he's ever had in his career in the playoffs in a series alone. So they've done like they've experienced everything, and the last thing that they that they have left to experience is winning a championship. Like it couldn't be as simple as that. So when I look at them, and I and I asked myself a question the other day, and it was if the Celtics make it back to the finals, if they beat Milwaukee, if they beat the Philadelphia, and they make it back, will things be different? Will Jason Tatum play as bad as he did last year, or will we look back at that year five years down the road and say, oh, it was his first finals appearance? You know, Sunday Scaries, Jenners, whatever. Jalen Brown played better than Jason Tatum did in the finals. Still kind of miffy when you're comparing him to other guys like, I don't know, Andrew Wiggins. But, like, Brunson did enough well, to keep them, yo. you know, there, you know. <laughs> no today are telling me that Jalen Brown outplayed Andrew Wiggins in the finals. I'll try that. Don't you even. I just, I just, I just said sheet. comparing him to Andrew Wiggins. Look at Wiggins the finals MVP voters. That's, that's all I'm saying. Uh, well, that's, that's just Wiggs. With the finals MVP, <laughs> folks, the Warriors won the series. What exactly? And guess what? Guess what? what? Andrew was doing to the best player on the team. Oh my gosh! Up, getting 16 rebounds in a pivotal game four. Stop playing with you, me. Oops. You brought up Finals MVP Stop. voting to compare him to someone on a losing team. In the finals, if you were on the winning team, maybe he would have. You know, <laughs> you know. It's not my fault. The hell, Bro, we, he didn't I, win. I have the the Celtics, Tatum and Brown at two, and number one, yeah. Zaney. I'm interested to see what pairing we have. So that means. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait, wait, wait. If if we all have the same pairing, let's just agree on it quick because we do have to talk about these because yeah. we are running down on time. But I have Giannis and Drew as the duo. 
for this season, man. Because Chris Middleton's okay, not I feel too long. You. I feel like he's going to be seen as a third option. I had Giannis slash Drew slash Chris. See, I, I did it first, but I did with. I did pick one. <laughs> if you had to pick one, what would it be? I picked one. I picked Chris. I picked Chris. I also I had Drew at first, but I picked Chris in the sense mm-hmm. that I feel like he's more of that closer, and he brings the best out of Giannis. Um, which means that has their best peak duo, like expect like that duo is where they can be the best i don't know if chris is going to be chris to be the best but with that like that is the best duo at their best if that makes sense drew's great though love drew drew is drew is phenomenal i I, I, I just picked drew because drew the the things he's been he's been doing this season that's probably the more realistic because he's gonna gonna look to push (laughs) the ball yeah but anyway, um, I think if we all agree on number one, I think the biggest argument we have, maybe like five, six minutes, we'll touch on it before we end the episode, the Sixers and the Celtics, mm-hmm. and the reasoning why you guys have the Celtics over the Sixers. You guys remember, we're talking duos, okay? We're talking duos. We're not talking teams. So if we're looking at Embiid and Harden compared to Tatum and Brown, my biggest reason why I have Tatum under Embiid and Brown, or Embiid and Harden, sorry, is inconsistency. Because when we when we start to dabble into this, area of the list where every guy we're talking about is a superstar basically right like we're, we're into superstar level duos right Jalen Brown I love Jalen Brown you, I think it's been known that I'm a huge Jalen Brown fan if you guys already haven't figured it out I will always talk good about Jalen Brown and I talk good about Jason Tatum I mean I'm a, it's hilarious how the community hates on me for trash talking Jason Tatum but I'm the only guy who will actually call him a superstar where these two won't um I called him I an have, inconsistent bro, superstar. He was, have, he was like I have probably the most love last night. Yeah, like I have the most love for Jason Tatum yeah, on JT. this pod, right? Like I, I like Jason Tatum the most on this pod. I think I back him up the most. And I and and it's surprising to hear you guys put the Celtics over the 76ers when you guys got to look out of it as like who's bringing the best. Like when when you're talking about these two guys, we're not talking about them individually. These two individually compared to these two individually, we're talking about duos. And a big part of that is I can think this we can we can talk about player? them individually in the sense to a certain yes, extent. Yes, to a that's what extent. I was. But think about it this way: sure, but Harden brings out the best out of Embiid, and Embiid brings out the best out of Harden in terms of he allows Harden to make he makes Harden's playmaking that much easier because he's playing with a guy at that level, right? Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they're both they're not like playing off of each other; they're playing ISO ball every possession. Marcus Smart said it best. Their offense is Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown just going at it one-on-ones with whatever team, like whatever matchup they have, right? They're not playing off of each other. Embiid and Harden, the offense is flowing through where Harden has the ball. He's finding Embiid, or if he needs it, he'll kick it out. Harden can, Harden can, Harden can shoot a three. Harden can take the possession if he needs to, right? But with Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum, what's the duo? Jason Tatum shooting 0 for 7. All right, Jalen Brown, go drop 30 for me. All right, bet, I will. And they do do that. And that's why they have I have them at three because Jalen Brown can... I 100% trust Jalen Brown to take the load when Tatum is inconsistent, which happens a lot more than you think, right? But Embiid and Harden, when I think of them, especially going into the playoffs, defensively, Embiid has it on lockdown. I know Harden isn't great defensively, so I'm not going to mention Harden, but Harden has been better compared to his days in Houston. I think we can agree on that. Um, Harden's playmaking ability, you give that to Embiid. Embiid, I feel like, can play at that MVP level, not only in the regular season now, but in the playoffs. Because what was the biggest reason with Embiid trashing it in the playoffs, right? He wasn't playing as good. Why? Because Ben Simmons disappears from the from the planet. Ben Simmons, his second co-star, every time Embiid is in a playoff series, who was the second star? Ben Simmons. James Harden had a hamstring injury last year. Don't give me that James Harden talk. And they still beat the Raptors and made it to the second round. 
James Harden has never been fully healthy with Embiid in a playoff series yet. And Embiid's second guy was always Simmons. What's the Ben Simmons is going to learn Chinese soon. So don't <laughs> give me this, this, this talk that Embiid had a second guy beside him because he didn't. Embiid's playmaker and Embiid's to be point fair, guard Jimmy, and Ben Jimmy Simmons. Jimmy was not in his normal role in Philly. It didn't feel right. Was not at yeah, all. And but even I when just... he was, even when even when Jimmy wasn't playing his normal role, they lost on the greatest game winner in game seven in NBA history in that game seven. They lost in the in one of the greatest game I, winners I in NBA games, history. But, yeah. I'll the, take the, Ray Allen, but well. Sure, okay, sure. I'm taking it because it's a game seven. It's a game seven buzzer beater. Okay. And if the, and if Kawhi doesn't hit that shot, the 76ers win that game because the 76ers turned up in those final minutes. Kawhi's right? the goat, man. Like we, Kawhi's the goat. Yeah, Kawhi's crazy. <laughs> right, 100%. But that's my reasoning. But listen, that's my reasoning why I have the Sixers over the Celtics because you guys are really forgetting the fact that this is going to be the first time we see Embiid with a healthy co-star that actually fits him well. No, I, I, and I, I, I think feel they're going to that. turn up because of it. Tatum is too inconsistent for me to put him over Embiid and Harden. It's it's, it's too he's too inconsistent, and he, I, he's breaking the he's breaking the wrong records, man. Most turnovers by a player <laughs> in a in a playoff run, he's breaking the wrong records, bro. That's some Westbrook te- like if Westbrook did that, that would be everywhere. We would still be talking about that to this day. But it's Jason Tatum, and he's protected by these fourteen year olds and, and these Boston Celtics lovers, people don't want to mention this the fact is that why Tatum you get slammed for being a Tatum hater because you you go on a rant like that and you you, you let your emotions get Me? the best of you. You just called them a bunch of fourteen year old Celtics fans that protect Jason Tatum. Oh, I, <laughs> I like Jason Tatum the most on this pod. I like Jason I Tatum the most know. on this pod. I'm talking about I'm talking about I'm talking about the cushion he gets. Yes, when that's we talk that's, about why, like, that's why that's why my dislike I love for him Tatum. started. I'm not, I'm not a, don't call me a Tatum. Don't like don't call me you you just said you dislike him. Don't call me a Tatum hater. I, feel I like love Tatum. Is the biggest I hate Tatum hater I hate the, I hate the narrative around Jason Tatum in the media where he doesn't get slandered. He doesn't get called out for some of the things he does. I mean, it's no, like, that's fair. For you to rank Tatum and Brown as a duo over Embiid and Harden, I don't agree with that. See, I I understand that. The reason that I have them over them is a s- experience alone. And like I said before, Tatum and Brown have experienced everything there is to experience in the playoffs since they walked into the league. It's that simple. They've been bounced out of the first round, second, Eastern Conference, and finals. They've experienced it all. They've done it all. So, being that they're so young and being that Boston's bought in on the idea that we're building around these two. Last year, they had arguably the best defense in the league until they met, you know, Lyskin Jesus. But they had the best defense in the league, arguably of all time at some, not at all time, but an all time great defense, right? That's what, that's at least what they were saying about it. I mean, we saw what happened to Katie and Kyrie, two of the best scores in, of all time. Nonetheless, I'm saying this, like I said before, if Jason Tatum gets an opportunity to get back into the finals this year, I do not believe that Tatum will stink it up like he did last year. I just don't. I think that if you take a player like Jason Tatum, you, who knows how the fans or some fans in general feel about him, he, he listens to the noise. These players listen to the noise. Jalen Brown is the one guy that they were trying to use as a scapegoat for getting him traded because they still wanted to keep Tatum. Even though I always said, don't split these guys up because when you do, you're going to realize Jalen Brown's going to go crazy if he's on his own team. Jason Tatum's going to go crazy if he's on their own, his own team. But if you have the right people around them and you let them both cook at the same time and they're both hitting on all cylinders, I've seen it. I've genuinely seen right. it. With Joel Embiid and James Harden, the difference is, and as much as you didn't want to bring this up, I'm going to, health and durability and availability matters to me in this sense. But we're ranking, I have we're seen ranking on the two. duos going into the playoffs right now. And exactly, right now, they exactly. Look if, we're, Brown. if we're ranking if we're ranking them right now, you can say that they look better than Tatum and Brown. You can, based off of the last, I don't know, 17, 20 games. 
But as far as I'm concerned, the Boston Celtics have been at the top of the Eastern Conference the entire year. Only only dropping between the one and the second seed. So I don't want to hear that. At the end of the day, I don't want to hear that. That's it's a team a t- accomplishment. And Harden was out Harden was out for like seven, he six was, weeks. And now that he's back, there look look at where the seating is. Look right. At how he close was the out for is. seven to six weeks. But who's to say that we get into the playoffs and Joella B doesn't get hit in the face again or to get another I, eye I injury. think that's James Harden's hamstring I, is literally I think that's a bit. James Harden's hamstring is li- no, no, no. No, 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 no. You can this, you this, can this, say the bad hamstring, but to say someone gets hit in the face, like that's a freak injury. Like I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just. Like, Joel Embiid had a freak injury last year. That's what happened. When but he you got hurt last year, I was like, there's, there's no a difference way, between there's, no there's a difference between the having the Celtics, a bad, listen bad to this, listen to this. What? Listen to this. <laughs> listen to this. Okay. The Celtics. The look. The Harden was out for a good like six, seven weeks, and they have the exact mm-hmm. same record as the Celtics right now. The Celtics and the Sixers have they're... a 46 and 22 record. No, I'm looking at it right now. 46 and 22. Just... 46 and 22. I'm the... looking at it right now. This says that the the Celtics oh, are 48 and 22. 48. I have I bad eyesight. My bad. Anyway, they both have the same amount of losses. The Celtics have two games on them, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I feel that. And, and like, like you said, Philly's been rolling. They're on a six-game winning streak. I get that. I get all of that. I'm just saying, when I'm looking at these duos, and I'm looking I'm more, I don't know if I'm looking at this from a, from a, I don't know, like a story time perspective or whatever, but the way that this is looking for this duo is, give me another crack. Give me another crack. They're already at the top. It's not like this team completely fell to the bottom after making it to the finals last year. Jason Tatum and Jalen and, and, and Jalen Brown have been doing their thing. Tatum hopped out the gate averaging 30 and was in some people's MVP cases for like a week and a half. But nonetheless, if I'm looking at them and I'm saying the faith that I have in this team to at least be there to play is more than I have for James Harden and Joel Embiid. If you had to ask me the question of if you have Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and you have Joel and you have James Harden, who's going to run? Who's going to who's going to be healthy through the playoffs longer? If you ask me that question, I am picking Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum over Joel and James Harden. For obvious reasons, shouldn't even be a debate. Shouldn't even be a topic of discussion. But you the can say reason bias if you want to. Health, we're talking about right now in the regular season, so health shouldn't play a factor. We can we're talk talking about what the duos right now. The the idea was regular season duos. Who looks the best right now heading into the playoffs? Uh, uh it, it, you Jason Tatum assume, and You cannot assume. You cannot assume an injury. Okay, well, like can, I, you can, can I assume just like how you bad playoff just performances like from James Harden? Just, just like I'm, you could well, assume you can, from Jason Tatum. You can't. But you can't because James Harden. The, oh, the, I I am telling you right now, James Harden is not going to have a bad playoff run this year. I'll I'll tell you. I'll. Be the I first said to that the last five years. I said that the on, yeah, but the last five years, did he have a Joel Embiid beside him, or did he have? He's his had second he's best had Dwight's have, and Chris who, Paul's and Dwight's, sixty win teams really? and Dwight all, Howard all the, in twenty fourteen. All these things. Dwight Howard in twenty fourteen. He's had fifty win seasons. He's had yeah, he's had the White Howard in 2014 was the White Howard was the White Howard top three big men in the league in 2014 was the White Howard a top three big men in the league in 2014 who does he lose to in the playoffs the greatest team of all time a team that he could have beat the same team no 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 they were the same team the same team that didn't have Kevin Durant and beat your Jalen Brown Jalen Brown Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum lost to them without Kevin Durant the same team that Jalen Brown and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum lost to. That's the team that yeah, bought so they lost to, to the champions out. last year, right? Yes. The same argument that you used for so Harden, did the Harden bring and yes. his all-time exactly. argument. No, I'm saying the I'm same not thing saying I can use for them for a exactly. recent So argument. don't say that James Harden is a playoff. Exactly. Don't say I don't know if play James Harden's going to show up in the playoffs because I can say I the don't, same I, thing. I, I, I'm not I, using I, them I, against I just, the Celtics. No, 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 you just no, 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 no. You just said that. Can I trust James Harden to show up? You just said can I trust James Harden? Yes, yeah. No, let me talk. Let me talk. Let me talk. Can I trust James Harden to show up? Hell no. Hell no, I can't. 
I've, yes, I've already can. explained that. I explained yes, that five, six, ten episodes ago. Don't even get, don't even try to twist my words on that. I have never fell back on that word of James Harden being a playoff choker. I have also said in the episode that if James Harden, that I, every year James Harden goes into the playoffs, I'm rooting for him every single year. But every single time he goes into the playoffs, something happens whether he's healthy or not. Don't even give me that, oh, he has a bad hamstring. We can go back to when he was in his prime in Houston and selling elimination games. We can look at was his he selling stats because we went I over provided. the number. No, provided, you didn't go over stats. Don't say you provided stats. Don't say you provided stats because I provided you game logs. I provided you game logs. I provided you with the same with the same stats. I provided you with the stats. Don't even try me there. Hoop, you remember this conversation? Hoop, you remember this conversation? Stay right there. I got you. Don't even worry about it. I got. I still got the picture. You remember this conversation? Don't even worry about it. We went the games that he. I got you. Okay, can I? Stop saying I got you. Let me let me mention this point. I got you. Hoop, you remember? Hoop, you remember when he was showing up? He was telling me like, oh, game five of the Warriors game, this one. And I was showing him that James Harden yeah. was shooting like eight for 13. Yeah. Like the, the numbers that you were bringing up, James Harden was shooting like 57%. No, no, no. You're going to bring up a specific. You're going to James Harden in games fives, game sixes, game sevens in his playoff career shoots the ball worse in game sevens than he does in game sixes and worse in game sixes than he does in game fives alone. In Game 7s alone, James Harden, once again, shoots less than 40% from the field. I don't know how we're defending that. In Game 7s alone, shoots less than 22.4% from three. How are we defending that? Averaging 24 a game, less rebounds, less assists. When you look at him from the regular season, Hope just said this, regular season Harden. Why have we not seen regular season Harden in the playoffs? Why have we not seen the, the James Harden that can go out there and give you four straight 50-point games in the playoffs? Why have we not seen any of that? Because that number, and that because number is majorly skewed. That number is majorly skewed oh because my of God. the one year in the Milwaukee Bucks series, that game seven where James Harden had a hurt hamstring and he shot like 20% on 20 shots. That is the reason why that number is so low. Because how many game sevens has he played in his career to use that number? He's played five of them. And when one of them, he was badly injured and he was only able to shoot. And we've saw, we saw that game. We saw that game where James Harden was clearly hurt. That is the reason why his game seven numbers are so skewed. So don't just uh, mention no, the number you're, without you're, showing, you're without showing background me. knowledge on it. Hey, yes, okay, I am. So what yes, about, I am. So you're bringing up bro. game seven. You're bringing up his game so, seven. So you're bringing about, up his so game seven numbers game, and not bro. adding what any What about the game where he had 12 turnovers in an elimination game? What about that one? Hold on. 12 turnovers in a game five when they're down three. Like, what about those games? What about the turnover games? I specific, like, I can't, I cannot believe this right now. I'm not about to sit here and try and, and, I mean, and not, and argue this even more than I, I already have. In that uh, debate alone, you gave me the, you gave me the debate in it and you were the moderator. What do you the, mean? I convinced you in 45 minutes, but whatever. Go, my, go. Hold go. See, no, Saini, Tell me what don't, you got. Don't, Saini, no, don't. you didn't. Saini, don't. My my argument, like if I'm arguing for Saney, I say that I always said that Harden had no one to hide behind when he played bad. Um, just like a lot of the other, you know, I brought up Allen Iverson's names like 10 times because uh, he was, you know, very efficient as someone who's like doing a lot of on-ball scoring. Um, so when the defense collapses on him in the playoffs, there's no one else to hide behind. There you have Joel Embiid in Philly. So I do think he'll play well. My thing with the Tatum Brown being ahead of, Philly is that Joel Embiid is quite easily the offensive hub of that team as a do even just looking as a duo Harden clearly is made better by Embiid and while yes they benefit off each other I think the individuality of Tatum and Brown while still being able to like they're very swing the ball uh, like their offense is very it the, the, the rock moves a lot as opposed to being Embiid centric on the Sixers 
I think the fact that, I mean, Brown's doing like since March, um, like 28 a game really efficiently, like he's on a tear. Tatum has been like 27 a game inefficiently, but if he were to turn up, like, and it, all it takes is three good games at the end of the season and they go into the playoffs, even if Tatum is still inconsistent, I'd, I'd expect him to improve. I mean, he's gotten better pretty much every year. If he just has a few less inconsistent games, I still think that's great because I think Jalen Brown's going to take a jump. We know he's a demon in the playoffs. I just, when you're comparing him or that duo to Philly, I really like them defensively, the ability to switch. I think they're like, when your star players play defense, that is like huge for you. And Embiid's obviously a good defender, but with this scoring load he's getting, I think it's going to be even more exemplified in the playoffs. Like he's going to have a bigger scoring load, which means it's going to be harder to, you know, be mobile in those pick and rolls on defense. That's obviously an assumption, but I just think in general, uh, a big who is your offensive motor is not going to be as, you know, he'll be play defense in big moments, but it's, he's not going to be locked down like someone like a who's who's not being, you know, used on offense as much. I think that's just like that's just common knowledge. Um, I think talent wise, like just put him up in, in one, you know, player for player in the regular season. It's very close. But I, I do think the individuality of Tatum and Brown matters to an extent because when the Celtics are playing well, it's a well-oiled machine. I know we're talking about duos, but I am taking into account how they play because I do think that's important. It's not like two table just... roles. Um, so I, th- I think yeah. that's, that's more my thing. And that, once again, you know, I'm, I'm a known Tatum hater, but I do expect him. Like He's supposed to be really, really good, and I think he's going to be more consistent this playoff. He's supposed to be that number one. And you know, my faith in Jalen Brown is just keep. I don't know if I can say he's going to be more consistent this playoffs because he hasn't even been consistent in the regular season. That's a fair point. It really is. It is a fair point. But I just think that when we're when we're talking about inconsistencies, you can't you can't just like yeah, not with, yeah, mention yeah. James Harden. Like sure, it's like, sure, it's, but it's but Harden's in a different situation. Tatum is in the situation right now where he is inconsistent. You're bringing up Harden's past. I'm bringing up Harden this season with Joel Embiid beside him. You're bringing up Jason Tatum, the same Jason Tatum that was inconsistent with the exact same team he's on right now. James Harden is in a completely different situation. His play style is completely different. He has a number two in Joel. He's the number two, but his his main guy to hit to is Joel Embiid. This is a different James Harden. This is a different situation. You're bringing up the same inconsistent Tatum against a different Harden and you're using Harden's past and his woes on a we... different team and a different situation to make the argument that that duo is better. That was my issue. This is a different team and a different okay, situation. Okay, I feel that. This team, all I got to say, this is the last thing I'm going to say, is all of the, all of what Sandy just heard, ladies and gentlemen, all what, I mean, all of what he just said, ladies and gentlemen, is, is great. Ideally, I want to believe that James Harden, and I also believe that James Harden is in a situation where it's probably, this is probably the best teammate he's had ever. And I mean, because this guy is a perennial MVP candidate, not just an all-star, right? So in this situation, you look at the team that he has around him and all of these things, it better go well. That's all I got to say. I am not fooling myself anymore. And I'm going to say this is the last thing. If the Sixers get bounced this year, Doc Rivers is fired. That, that's what's going to happen. 100%. Anyway, we're, we're reaching the end of our episode here. Thank you so much for listening to episode 59. If you haven't already, make sure to check out the chalkboard. Our next episode will be the Western Conference duos. We will see the you Discord. guys in episode 60. Join the Discord, please.